Business I am Brian Buckley. This is Hitting the Internet's May 24th, late May 24th, 2017. How are you? How are you listening? Well, on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, any one of those platforms are, are perfect for you. They're, they're just ready-made, handmade, all for you. And you can follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13, at RedTicketBlues, where I will be complaining about most things. That's usually what I do. Uh, speaking of complaining, on the podcast this week, New York Post columnist, Mr. Phil Mushnick. Uh, I will say this about Phil. Um, I like in this interview, or, or whenever you, you, you hear Phil Mushnick, uh, it's, it's kind of like the presidential debates. You got Trump, Hillary. Guess what? You probably love or hate one of them. Or you hate both of them, either way. The debate is going to do nothing to sway your mind, but you're going to tune in anyways because you want to hear it. You want to hear the entertainment slash train wreck slash amazingness slash anything you determine. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Uh, so that is what this is. Uh, we get into, you know, the normal Phil Mushnick stuff, Mike Francesa, loyalty tapes. Uh, we get into ESPN. Talk about the the perception of hustling in baseball. I mean, it doesn't get much more Phil Mushnick than than two white guys talking about people hustling in baseball. And obviously, it leads to uh, the Latino style of play, or is it a Latino style of play? I think you've heard enough of me uh, hyping or just talking. Enough. Here is Phil Mushnick. He is a columnist for the New York Post. He writes Equal Time, and uh, Bob Ryan cannot live without reading his column. He's Phil Mushnick. How are you, Mr. Mushnick? I'm fine. Bob Ryan doesn't look so well these days. He does look odd. Uh, I, I, I will admit, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't want to like make fun of a, uh, maybe a, a no, condition. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I just, you know, he can't live without me, and maybe that's going to kill him. <laughs> he was on this podcast, and he said he needs to read your column all the time. Uh well, he's obviously he's crying out for help. Yeah, I, I'd say so too. But, but we all are. Um, so let's let's talk New York Post. How are things at the New York Post these days? Uh, I think we're losing about thirty million a year. That that well, but, huh? Yeah, but that's print. You exactly. know, we're lucky. Uh, we're lucky to have Murdoch because it's his voice of New York. He's got uh, many properties that make money, and he's been, uh, uh, you know, devoted enough to. You know, it's funny about Murdoch. Everybody screams about his right-wing stuff and everything. Right. He, I've been there, I suppose, 44 years. I'd say at least half of them under Murdoch. I've never been told what to write, who to write about, how to write it. I've been able to kill Fox. That's, his, that's, his, that's the mm-hmm. boss's baby. So, and I know my friends at the New York Times can't say the same. There's somebody leaning over their shoulder watching what they write and telling them what to write. And uh, I'm I'm very grateful for that. So Murdoch, I think Murdoch, uh, you know, there's some excesses in the post, certainly, but um, he's been very good to me, and I'm all that counts. That's uh, exactly. That's I I think yeah. you said it perfectly there. You, you. You, <laughs> you mentioned the New York Times, and I've always wondered this. And 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 someone asked me on Twitter about this as well when I said you were uh, we were going to be talking. <laughs> you're in a you're like in a niche field in the sports media columnist. What what is your right. like? Do you have a relationship with guys like Bob Raceman, Neil Best, and Sandemir? I mean, yeah. or uh, do you guys? Uh, well, Sandemir barely does it now. He's been writing obituaries lately. Uh, and Neil Best did it for a while, is doing it, and then uh, Steve Zappay before that, and then one of the late Stan Isaacs was one of the first to do it. Yeah, and Raceman, Raceman and I have known each other for 30 years. Uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a cordial relationship. We don't see each other much, but yeah, there's nothing there. 
Okay. All right. Good. I was, I was just wondering yeah, if there's any rivalries. It's competitive, but, right. uh, but uh, I think this sounds like, like self-absorbed, but I think I have an advantage over all those guys because I'm a born and raised sports fan. You know, I, I wasn't on into the academic side of sports writing or even journalism. I was just a sports fan. So, and what I see, they don't see. Like mm-hmm. a Bob Raceman, he doesn't have kids. So he probably thinks when I write that things are too crude and too late and things like that. He, he probably, he, and, I, and he has taken some shots about like standing on a pulpit or something. But you know, if you can... If you want to bang the drums for right over wrong, I'm not going to apologize. Yeah, you mentioned that. So, and I think Raceman and Sandemir, I don't think they were the, being a sports media columnist or even working in sports were their, were their main objectives. I had them both on the podcast. I think Sandemir was more into uh, financial stuff and just sort of fell upon what, what sports, you know, sports with the New York Times. I, I believe that's what it was. Um, he also has a bent toward comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, you. No, uh, he does. He's a good guy, but he—he he thinks he's a comedian. He—he he definitely does have Which some is good. It's hard good... to do. It's hard to do when you're writing obituaries. By that's the way. true. That's true. It's not a laughing matter most of the time. Uh, so let let's start here. Uh, Sunday night, uh, sort of the best of both worlds. It was a celebration of a Derek Jeter and everything uh-huh. Derek Jeter like, and ESPN Sunday Night Baseball crew helping us celebrate him. Uh, have you yeah. have you recovered from the euphoria of Sunday night? I never. I, yes, I have. Having never, having never gotten into any of it, I'm not a Jeter fan. I'm not a Jeter fan. How and dare you? I think, I think if you could uh, provide some sodium pentothal to the guys who cover them and the gals who cover them, they'll tell you they're not Jeter fans. That they found, found find them to be aloof, uncooperative, self-centered, and. Yet they wrote over and over and over that this guy was the... It was the Tiger Woods syndrome. Right. It wasn't enough that he was a great shortstop and a clutch batter and a heads-up defender. Just like, you know, he he was aloof, and they would write that he's dignified and shy and modest, but they didn't know that. It was like Tiger Woods, he couldn't just be the greatest golfer ever. He had to be the greatest human being the greatest father, the greatest son, the greatest husband, the greatest human. And, of course, it was all nonsense, but it's, it, it persisted even after he got busted with, with his philandering. I, but I, that, that's what we do. We pander. We pander. Don't write anything. I'm not telling you, I'm not suggesting that people write all this dirt about people, but don't tell me he's the best guy on earth when they know he's not. I think what, what, what happens know. now, too, because that's happened for so long that people have written these columns and just these exposés of, you know, what an amazing humanitarian he is. Now, when you even try to add some of the things you just said, like, you know what, maybe he was selfish, you know, maybe he was uncooperative. It's almost looked at as blasphemy. Like, how dare you even try to sully the, the legacy of, of Derek Jeter when, you know what, no one's perfect, but I, I, I think now... His he... last year, Brian, his last year in, uh, as a Yankee was consumed with, uh, like, having a, a fire sale, a closeout sale. Oh, Steiner everything Sports, he touched, Everything he touched was being sold, and at ridiculous prices. It was for suckers. He, he, and he had made hundreds of millions of dollars. There was no reason for this other than abject greed. 
Yankees were in on it. His collectibles guy, Brandon Steiner, they were all in on it. You know, they wanted $3,000 autograph sessions for one quick picture, shake your hand, move along next, those kinds of things. And and he was available for that, but he was never available. I mean, every another thing the media did, the, the, the famous, now late Yankee uh, PA guy, Bob Shepard, very famous. Right. And he, Derek Jeter. And uh, every time he came to bat, even after he, uh, he, he passed away, they'd play Shepard's Derek Jeter. And Jeter, oh, I'm so close. And he was one of the few Yankees who didn't bother to show up to his funeral. Right, right, absolutely. And and, and it was like, whoa, you know. But, you know, that was quickly glossed over, and then he went back to being the classiest guy to ever put on a Yankee uniform. Yeah, and... And, and you know what? If he was, if he was a, a... He was a wonderful shortstop. I enjoyed watching him play. I enjoyed watching him hustle. But he was not the greatest human being. He wasn't the classiest. And he, and he, he was an elitist. And that, I, you know, he left the Yankees, and then he disappeared until Sunday night. You know that that speaks for itself too. And I don't think you'll see him anytime soon uh, in New York mm-hmm. after that. You know, you, you mentioned you mentioned all the people. You know, just sort of sucking up to Jeter. You know, again, as if he uh, created uh, everything on God's green earth. Um, we, we, and he never gave them the time of day, and they still write, "Oh, what a wonderful guy he is." How the heck do you know? It's you true. Don't know it's him. true. They, now he was sitting in with the ESPN uh, trio there of Sunday Night Baseball. Right. And a popular target of that crew is uh, Jessica Mendoza. Now, if you, I know you're not out. We 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 covered this last time. I uh, happened to like her when right. she was when she was started and was speaking. When it was time to speak, it was great. Now she's become an essayist. Well, there's now also beca- now, there's also now, the other well, element. ESPN, ESPN oh. becomes radio, and and a, and a distraction from television. It always takes the strongest part of what it has, the visual, and it deletes it. I don't know, but this is this is the, the mentality at ESPN: destroy everything we touch. <laughs> wow! Um, but I, uh, what I was going to say is, I, we know you're not on social media, so if you put in Jessica Mendoza into into Twitter, you're going to mm-hmm. see lots of inappropriate, misogynistic, you know, of just garbage. Course. But take... well, that's what Twitter is as a social media. Is. It's it's you know it's 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 high tech vandalism. But take away that, take away, take away all the embarrassing segments that ESPN like makes her do. Do you think she is good at her job, or is some of the criticism? I mean, I know you just said you liked her, but I mean, what is she now? Do you still like what she is as an analyst or broadcaster? She's the act box, like the other two. <laughs> she, they're, they're, you know, it's a visual medium. Let us watch the damn game. Why, why do we have to go into the booth while she's speaking? We know she's speaking. It's the only female there. We don't have to put a camera on her. It's it's ESPN saying, look what we have. We not only have a female, we have a Hispanic female. How do you like that? It's it's very true. ESPN... It, it, they act to, it, it also seems to be even more awkward when they do put the camera in the booth. All three of them sort of go silent, which makes it uh, even more <laughs> awkward. Well, then leave the camera in the booth. We don't need the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just staying in the topic of ESPN. I mean, the, obviously, there are a lot, lot of a lot of news about them lately. They're losing subscribers, the political yeah. angles, and cutting staff. Uh, right. Is ESPN doing anything right these days? No. No. It's spending money on niche issues. It's it's still. I just watched the game last night. I watched the uh, their their version of the Marlins and Astros. And they couldn't wait to get out to show us David Ross, who's on Dancing with the Stars, and he's coming to ESPN. 
it's like watching it's like watching a menu. It's like watching the ESPN menu. No, they're doing the same things. They're trying to do it a little less expensively, but they're doing the same things over and over. They've made the worst hires. They've made hires. I mean, they, they hired Ray Lewis. <laughs> he's still an active. He's still apparently he's the only suspect in a double homicide. Yeah, and they yeah. hired him. Yeah, and they didn't. They didn't bother to see whether he could speak discernible English, which he couldn't. Yeah, he's very poor at uh, his former job. But 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 why would they hire him? It's it's look, great question. Look what we're doing. Have we got? But you know what? Had had ESPN not hired him, Fox would have hired him, or ESPN, or the NFL Network. That's a. I that's mean, a, we saw right before his last game, we saw him embracing, embracing um, Roger Goodell. Now, when he would, when when Lewis would slam a guy into his head and leave him concussed, and they'd find him, he 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 expressed no remorse. He, and you know, this was this he was the. He was exhibit A in why guys at 40 years old don't know what day it is. And yet, who did, who did the NFL choose to sell merchandise? Ray Lewis. You know, who did Goodell choose to embrace? Ray Lewis. It's, it's totally who did, true. The, the, it's who did totally the Ravens true. choose to, to put a, a, a statue up? Ray Lewis. Who paid, off, who paid off the families of those two homicide victims? Who paid them off and why? Ray Lewis. Which is always forgotten. I mean, that, that he paid it's off the families. <laughs> uh, it's well, funny. I, uh, obviously, he was trying to avoid a wrongful uh, death civil suit. I'll ask you this obviously. question. I had uh, Richard Deich on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I asked him, uh, would Fox, in you know trying to compete with ESPN, would they consider doing something? You mentioned Ray Lewis doing something as dastardly as hiring O.J. Simpson when he gets out of prison, most likely this year. Would do, do you think a uh, network would hire O.J. Simpson? I mean, he has the experience. A network, any network, would do anything if they thought it brought ratings. In O.J. Simpson's case, it would bring ratings for one hour. After that, you better come through with the game. You better come through with something worth listening to. All these hires they make, who they, uh, Tony Romo, CBS. You know, I can understand. I, I've always enjoyed Romo interviews. I think he's funny. I think he's flip and, 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 and ge- in a gentlemanly way. But they just hired him for the buzz. And what's, you know, you watch TV. Your, your podcast listeners, they watch TV. What's that worth in the long run? How about in the short run? After 20 minutes, what's that worth? It's worth nothing. I mean, those people are going to watch the games regardless. I mean, yes, we'll complain about possible, you know, we'll complain about broadcasters, you know, messing up and doing things incorrectly. But, I mean, people are going to tune in regardless. These networks are laying off hardworking people who fulfilled important jobs who are getting paid a fraction of what a Tony Romo is going to get paid to work one day a week. And just because, look, we got Tony Romo now. Fox just hired Jay Cutler. Yeah, yeah. Great. How long? Fox just hired uh, Tony Gonzalez. He was at CBS. Did right. he make any, you know, he was a famous tight end. Did he make anybody sit up and take notice? Did he say anything that was salient? Anything that was, was uh, you know, provoking? Anything that made you think? Anything that made you appreciate his presence? No. And what happens? Fox hires him. So... 
I don't understand the the Jay Cutler signing. I I don't know that that if any that that generates any buzz whatsoever. I can get Tony Romo. He's like you said, good personality, nice guy, funny. Played for the Cowboys. Jay Cutler has the reputation of a surly, I don't give a shit about anything kind of guy. (laughs) So I mean, like the idea that that's supposed to probably do better than Romo. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, people. But who? I mean, you know, they got this guy Orwitz from from ESPN, and he went to Fox. To, to run the show there, Fox Sports Network. Right. And he's just duplicating every bad decision made at ESPN. Why They apparently paid $5 million a year plus a multi-million dollar signing bonus for Skip Bayless. So Skip Bayless can sit there and have a debate as to who's going to win that night's Cleveland Indians-Minnesota Twins game. <laughs> That's, it's, it's unfathomable. So fathomable, like you know, I can't watch that. Can you watch that? No, no. I want to. I want to no. shift gears here for a second. Obviously, you watch you watch the games and the broadcast for for content for your. Columns. I try. I try. You know, let me tell you something, Brian. When I sit down, I told you I'm a sports fan, or I was a sports fan. <laughs> when I sit down to watch a game, I don't say I don't have a pad and pen in front of me saying I can't wait them for them to make a mistake. I can't wait for them to do something good or something in between. I watch as a sports fan, and within five minutes, it's like, why did they do that? Why did they say that? Why did they post that graphic? It's irrelevant, misleading, or it's just wrong. And it, it drives me crazy. Now, do you go to other websites for content? I mean, or do you yeah. just sitting there watching? People send me stuff. I was just going to ask, how often do readers contribute to a Mushnick column? Oh, uh, readers uh, unilaterally, where it's not, it's not from the website, but it's their own thoughts. Right. Frequently, I you'll, if you read the column, right, I, exactly. I, I credit a lot of readers a lot of times. Do you and uh, do you no, worry they, about they, the authenticity from someone if they send no, you in I'll, something? I'll check it. Okay. I'll check it. A lot of it will just be um, off the cuff, you know, thought processes, and and it, it, it's not a matter of you know if it, if it's he said this last night. If I don't have a tape of it, I'm going to call for the tape of it, or I'm not going to write it. Um, the reason I specifically ask about websites is, you know, a few weeks ago or about a month ago, you know, Deadspin published an article regarding uh, the WFAN 9-11 tapes, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, you know, they quote you in there. I mean, are you mm-hmm. are you aware? I mean, because, again, you're not on social media. Are you aware of like how how much scathing criticism a website like Deadspin yeah. has for you? You know, yeah, all the time? because I spoke with the guy there and, and he I even have the copy of of the emails between us where it was determined that we were having a totally off-the-record conversation, and the SOB turned around and quoted me. Really? And then he said, his, his, oh, yeah, I forget the guy's name. It was, it was outrageous. It was, it was the lowest, you know. So, I, so the, I, quote, I, the quote about the WFAN 9-11 tapes in the Deadspin article, you did not authorize to be used. No, 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 that, that was better. That guy's name was Kevin Prager, I think. Yes, isn't that the, uh, the that, editor, that was, I think, yeah. That was better. That that was that was a little bit more, um, shall we say, credible. But this was the first time. I mean, it was okay. about racial things. When you know they'll, they'll take one sentence out of a like Phil Phil Mushnick wants the the Nets to be called the N I G G A S A S. Right. Of course, I never wrote that. I wouldn't write that. And if I did write that, it wouldn't get through. No editor in his right mind or her right mind would allow it. What I wrote was, as long as they've taken up with Jay-Z, the Nets, as their marketing director and their number one uh, front man, 
why don't you do what Jay-Z does and call the, the, mem- the black members of Nets the N-word? Why don't you call the cheerleaders bitches and hoes? That's what I wrote. Okay. And, of course, it came out that right. Phil Mushnick wrote that the Nets should be... And that's what Deadspin does. That's what Deadspin... And, hey, Mayor de Blasio, he wasn't the mayor then, <clears throat> but he came out in the rival Daily News and said, this is outrageous that he wrote this. I didn't write it. Not in context. It was a parody. It was obvious. So, I wrote <laughs> I wrote that, that I, I'm a racist troll. I, I wrote about how it struck me as, as unfathomable that um, Peterson, uh, the running back in the Vikings. What's Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson could play ball two days after his young son was beaten to death. Yeah, he's, son, he's a classy he guy. Know. And I wrote this, this is, this strikes me, this, you know, and baby mamas and stuff like this. And later on, it came out that he had seven other kids from seven other women. And he's winning awards as father of the year and all this stuff. And, and I remember Deadspin was sent to me writing, uh, this, this guy is just a racist. Racist? No. <laughs> if, you know, I'm, I'm writing about, if, if, minimally, I'm writing about, if, if this is Adrian Peterson's culture, don't use it as defense. Change your culture. Change your ways. Yeah, Adrian Peterson didn't even that the first time he met that son that out of his kid. Yeah, that that son that died. The the first time he ever met him was a day before he died. So uh, I mean, he didn't even know the kid. Um, that didn't that didn't make the dead spin piece. Yeah, I guess not. I I hear from people a lot that they 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 hate read Phil Mushnick. You know, they 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 have to read him. They can't stand him though. But I also <laughs> feel like there's a a segment right. of the sports reading public that find it trendy to just say, oh, Phil Mushnick's a racist. Phil Mushnick, you know, he's a hack. Blah, 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 blah. You know, without even reading you. So you know I have what? to... I don't... I, I'm not a racist. I'm a realist. I don't... I was raised to, to recognize wrong from right, not the way things as black from white. And I, it seems to me that the black community wants a double standard. That it wants to, you know, and it, just like the rap music, they're calling, they're, they're degrading all these women and, call, and just calling them sex objects. You got 12-year-old kids sitting in classrooms calling each other the N-word. Don't you think I hear from black teachers? They're telling me, God bless you, keep going. You're the only one who writes the right. truth. What's the upside to this? What's the upside? So, but you know, ninety-five percent of what I write, I trash white people. I must be. <laughs> I generally, I'm just, just, I'm, a, I'm clearly, I'm a racist. So obviously, from hearing everything you're saying, that you have no issue, um, you know, being criticized. I mean, it comes a part of the job. But do you? Does, oh, yeah, absolutely. Does it piss I you off though? Shots, does it piss you off when someone who doesn't read you and just makes that clear assumption on their own without ever reading you or saying that? I mean, just they throw that insult out there. Does that annoy you? Yeah, Brian, but I'm used to it. I'm used to it. I mean, we had the Mayor de Blasio did that in, on page one of the Daily News. He never read that piece. He couldn't have possibly surmised that that's what I wrote had he read the piece. Someone told him a guy wrote this, and he had a press conference. That's pathetic. So if, if the mayor of New York City can do that, everyone else, I guess, is entitled. Well, de Blasio is, you know, I, uh, well, you know, I don't know what to what say. He is, but yeah. I'm, I'm at war with Chris Christie. 
Yeah, Chris oh, Christie. Well, Chris Christie. He's on the other side of things. So, you know, <laughs> he's a slob. <laughs> he, he's a trash-talking slob. He, he brings no dignity to the office. He, 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 he trash talks. He, he, he works off the seat of his pants. Um, I've had some rows with him where he said, you wrote that I said this. Prove it. And I proved it. And then he wrote, well, what about this? No, no, don't go to the next thing. Did I just prove it? No, um, Chris Christie. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I, this wasn't on the agenda immediately here, but uh, what, <laughs> what do you think about Chris Christie? What do you think about Chris Christie possibly taking over the uh, throne and uh, WFAN from one to six thirty? Well, you know, he's, he's got the he's got the size. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a slug. Way. He's a slug. He's a bully. I mean, he's form fitting. He's form fitting. He's a slug. you know and. Um, he says he did, he he called uh, he called Eli Manning a liar, <coughs> flat out liar. He was a former United States attorney from the state of New Jersey. He called him a, a liar on a case that was ongoing. If that doesn't prejudice the case, the governor of New Jersey. <laughs> and he said, "No, I never said that." I said, "He seems like a liar." No, he didn't. He called him a flat out liar. So that's that's Francis alike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just deny. I never said that. Exactly. Yeah. I never uh, said that. Well, here's, the, here's what you said. He's, no, I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. <laughs> you made some okay. waves a few months, or about a, well, about a, probably about a month ago, claiming that SNY is intentionally not showing Cespedes uh, running to first because it's not really running, it's jogging. Um, we've seen this on the other side of town, you know, when, when Cano was here, criticism not oh, running sure. out baseball, and you see it all throughout baseball, really. When did jogging and sort of loafing it in, in game play, when did this become fully accepted in baseball? Managers afraid afraid of losing their jobs, so they pander. They don't allow it from from scrubs. They allow it from their stars. Right. So you do they you, allow it with Bryce Harper. They allow it with Yanis Cespedes. They allow it with Starlin Castro. The, you know the only the guy Dave Roberts out in L.A. He didn't allow it from Puig, and uh, <laughs> you know then you got a guy like Dan Lebetard saying people who complain about guys not running to first. Want baseball played the white way? Yeah, I'll get what to that. In a, I'll get to that, that in, a, in a second. For but the one th- the question I want to ask Roberto before that, Clemente played the the white way. Right. What the hell does that mean? Running the first isn't a good idea, you idiot. The you know what? Let me let me just jump into this now, actually, because I, I'll tell you. I, and you talked about the the cesspool that Twitter can be sometimes. If I went on to Twitter and said something like, mm-hmm. you know. Can Robinson Cano hustle a little bit? You know, does he really have to hot dog, you know, do all that? I will get crap from at least one person saying, I'm sorry, is is the Latino way offending you? Is is there something wrong with the new culture? And honestly, I find that offensive towards Latinos. I mean... What does it say? It says, you, you can't expect better from us. What? What? Now that's racist. It's, it's you, you know what... Ex- you can't expect a Latin player... A Latino player to run to first. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's a really bad narrative. I mean, there's thirty percent of Major League Baseball is Latino. Uh, obviously, it's grown, uh, but to generalize, I mean, it's the same generalization that you know all white guys voted for Trump or all young black males right. are criminals. It's just ridiculous. Right. So it is. I, I mean, I'm not in the business. Well, Dave of, Roberts. Dave Roberts, who's half black and half Asian threw Yasiel Puig back to the minors for not running to first base. 
What does that make him? A racist? Makes Dave Roberts a racist? Or does he approve, or does he support playing the white way? It's the wrong way and a right way. That's all. If you think games are, are, are won by, by jogging to first base, you're wrong. I, I think Roberto Clemente, Roberto Clemente ran to first base. He wouldn't do any, think of, to do anything other. I, and I think even today, I mean, for, obviously Roberto Clemente, but I mean, I, I think, again, it's a generalization. The idea that, you know, I, and, I, and I cleared all this with my wife, who is 100% Puerto Rican. So I was allow, I'm allowed to, to say all this. She said it was good. Um, the fact that, I it's mean, a rationalization. It's pandering. It's saying that equality can be attained through inequality, that we have to judge people. We should not be racist, but we should be, judge people based on their race. Oh, how does that work? Because I mean, you how does look, that work? You look in baseball. I mean, a guy like Carlos Beltran. Do you see him? Uh, do you, you know? Do you see him hot dogging when he hits a home run? Do you see Carlos Correa hot dogging when he hits a home run? <laughs> but then you see Javi Baez. Javi Baez will hot dog a pop up to third. I mean, I think it just comes down to a lot of times in the World Series. In the World Series, he was twice. He was two bases short in the World Series because he was too busy pounding his chest. And who does ESPN? Aaron Boone said, I love the way that guy plays. When they're doing this Hispanic, uh, they're spending this, the, the summer doing the Hispanic culture of baseball. And, and Aaron Boone, who ran as hard as he could every time, saying, I love the way he plays. You're lying. You don't like the way he plays. You hate the way he plays. You're pandering. I think that uh, the, the idea of the maybe vibrant uh, you know, feelings. Everybody's that, afraid of being called a racist. Exactly. The vibrant you know feelings that Latinos bring. Good. Pardon me. Go ahead. I just think everyone's afraid of being called a racist. I mean, I know what it's like to be called a racist. I'm not a racist. I know who I am. I know how I was raised. I know who my friends were. You know, I'll give you some of my best friends, et cetera, and so on. <laughs> but so I don't care. I don't care. You want to call it to me on a wish? You want to call it to me because you can't answer a, a, a salient argument with, with sense? So you got to say, well, he must be a racist. Okay, you are a racist. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I definitely do. It I leaves mean, us you... diminished. It leaves us diminished. We can't go forward if we keep running backwards. I think, uh, in a sense, with baseball, too, you know, there are plenty of hot dogs that are that are not Hispanic, too, but it gets lumped into the way Hispanics play. I, again, I just feel like that's that's really offensive, honestly. So, I mean, you got, you, you have David Ortiz, who I've retired last year. He pimped it all the way around the bases, but so does Bryce Harper. So did Barry Bonds. I don't know. I think it's just a boring, contrived argument. Um, so let's let's talk here. Mike Francesa. If anybody, <laughs> let's argue. Let's From now on, let's argue. Is running to first a good thing or a bad thing? Leave it there. Because those who say it's a, it's a, it, running to first is a bad thing, they're wrong. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard the argument, too, that you know these guys are so valuable and so expensive that it's okay for them to jog to first because no, they're that because important then, to the team. When they jog, no, look at the way Cespedes got hurt, Matt Kemp got hurt, and Giancarlo Stanton got hurt in the last two years. Both got hurt because they were jogging, Presuming that the ball would be caught or be a single, then it got through and it, they had to run home quickly. And instead of reaching second base or home plate, in Kemp's case, standing up and easily, they both had to slide and wreck their legs. All three of them wrecked their legs because they didn't hustle into second in Stanton's case and in uh, Cespedes' case, in Kemp's case, running home. So 
not running is more dangerous than running. Yeah, that doesn't and, save you anything. And to compensate for not running, like you said, a uh, non-orthodox slide, which could just right. injure them even more so. so um, could have been rounding second or just pulled in standing. Instead, it is this awkward slide. You don't know how to slide anyway. And um, you're out for the year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, Mike Francesa is leaving WFAN in December this year. I, you know, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, he's even actually. Well, I can't wait to start missing him. <laughs> uh, first, what are you thought? What are your thoughts on his future? Is it with WFAN? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't want to be flippant. I really don't. I just couldn't care less. My disregard for that man is is total. <laughs> it is. He's a fraud. He's a career fraud. The, the, the viewers know it. The media doesn't. I mean, the, the audience knows it. Um, he, he's, he's dishonest. He makes up stories, mostly self-serving, all of them self-serving. He's an expert on things. He knows nothing. He's, he, he lies. He lies. He lies at least once a day. He just tells a flat-out lie. A provable, demonstrably provable lie. He'll tell a lie. He'll say that he did something, he was somewhere, he knows this guy, he knows that guy. I had said this, I was the guy who discovered him. You know, it, it's, it's nonsense. He's a megalomaniac. I'm, I'm reached the, the worst thing you can do for someone like that is start to feel sorry for them. I'm starting to feel sorry for him. I think he's pathetic. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess some, I people, some people may ask you, though, if, if he's so pathetic, if he's so awful, if, he, oh, if, you, just dis- if, if you despise him. successful, but you know what? He's benefited from a couple of things here in, in the New York market. That is no competition, zero. Uh, they keep throwing up junk at him. Secondly, he attracts the way a car wreck, a train wreck, a plane crash, a five-alarm fire attracts. People tune in. I mean, listen to his callers. They say, typically, they say, Mike, thanks for taking my call which is absurd. He should have said, no, you don't have to say that ever again. You don't have to genuflect. It is, absolute, it is absolutely ridiculous. You're, idiot, you're, idiot, you're, on the, you're on hold for a half an hour, and you're thanking me for taking your call, you jerk. Then they say, I love your show. And then they say, please don't interrupt me. <laughs> because they know what kind of person he is. He's not. And he will interrupt them, especially if he senses that they're smart. He will not allow a smart person's dissent. He'll cut him off. He'll slip, and then he'll cut him off the line and pretend that he's that they're still on the line, and that the overwhelming power of his argument has silenced that person. Oh, that is a Francesca special. He got, you could tell he got called out a few times when he was uh, simulcast on that, where he continued to yell at a, uh, we, we, a we line the that button. wasn't there. He the off button. Yeah. He's a dishonest person. He's dishonest. So let me ask you then. I'm going to play devil's advocate then. If he's so awful, if you despise every fiber of his body, why are you constantly no, writing about him? I don't despise him? I told you. I feel, I feel sorry for him. Okay. I think he why, needs help. Why are you constantly writing about him then? I mean, every other column of yours, at the because very least. I'm a si- no, not every. I'd say, yeah, every. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're right. <laughs> because he's compelling. He's compelling. Everyone listens to him. That's much to his credit and also to his debit. Um. When he says something like, you know, um, I like the Vikings to make the Super Bowl, when he waits until the Vikings are 5-0, and and then as soon as he says it, the Vikings lose six straight, how can I ignore that? <laughs> when he says, 
the sleeper quarterback of the draft is going to be Teddy Bridgewater, the freshman from Louisville. And Teddy Bridgewater, because he's a true freshman at Louisville, is ineligible for the draft. I'm going to write that. And he does something like that daily. I don't listen to him that long. Five minutes is all it takes, Brian. Were you <laughs> now ESPN? Obviously, they they. I, I'm assuming you weren't invited to the Tribeca, uh, you know, premiere. No, but the, here's another thing. The producer said that he invited me to appear Brian in that Monzo, show. Correct. Oh, the producer uh, of the Thirty for Thirty. Excuse me. That's I was going to right. my next question. Were you involved, or, and or were you asked to be involved? Well, the guy, the guy's quoted saying that he invited me, but I had a family function. No, I do everything I can to get out of family function. Yeah, like, like most <laughs> Americans, yes. Right. So I, I was never asked. He said me, Parcells, and someone else, I forgot, was at, were asked, and they turned him down. I, I never turned him down. So I never spoke with him. But, you know, let's run with that. Let's run with that. Oh, Mushnick turned him down. But it never happened. You know, it's funny about the internet. It's not funny. About, ah. Ten years ago, I guess it was early internet. That's not early, but ten years ago, there was a picture of me on the internet. I saw it for about three years. My kids saw it. My friends saw it. Three years, cut and paste. You know, if you're writing about Mushnick, cut and paste that photo because you go to some other right. uh, installment on it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I must. It must have happened 500 times. Here's the picture of Phil Mushnick. And I ain't good looking, but that guy was ugly. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a good thing you're not on social media. That sort of stuff happens every single day. <laughs> um, uh, I, I want to ask you here, like, like I mentioned earlier, for the record, what Deadspin had, they, they, they sort of, they, uh, they sort of tried to break, break a story. Okay, you know where I'm going with this. So this is the 9/11 yeah. tapes from the Mike and the Mad Dog program. Approximately a week after the 9/11 attacks, Francesca and Russo. and I'm I'm a uh, fourth generation Jewish American. My my. Uncle, my great uncle Jack Goldstein was a doughboy in World War One. My father—I mean, I don't have to explain my heritage here. Right, right. My father was a decorated World War II naval lieutenant who became head of the Jewish War Veterans on Staten Island. On and on and on and on. And uh, all of a sudden, he's saying he's blaming this whole thing, these attacks on Israel, which and about and American Jews have too much of you know it's this international Zionist cartel, this conspiracy, which is funny because I don't know two Jews who can agree on anything, let alone a <laughs> <laughs> conspiracy. And, and, he, and he knows people who are Jewish who would fight, who wouldn't fight for this country, but would fight for Israel, and they have to make up their mind whose side they're on. They, you know, essentially a loyalty oath. Well, isn't that and what I the isn't that what the tape that Deadspin had? It didn't. Wasn't no. there a segment similar no. to that? No, 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 not even close. Not even close. What I heard, what I wrote about, what others, including Susan Waldman, who was at FAN at the time, and she ran into Mark Chernoff's office, screaming her, her head off. People like the producer Bob Gelb, they heard it. Now that was what what Deadspin had was from the next day. Uh, September 12th, as if I'd be listening to FAN on September 12th with the world coming to an end, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I, I wrote about it. Immediately the tape was lost. The Anti-Defamation League uh, requested a tape. They were turned down. And then every time I, I resurrected it again, he, he, he changed. Well, if I had said it, why wasn't I, uh, why wasn't I um, punished? 
because they make them believe you never said it to protect their own fannies. And then he said that the American Defamation League cleared him on that. The American Defamation League, of course, that wasn't reported except by me. Said, "Oh no, we didn't. We said we're just told that he uh, we we can't get the tape." So it was all nonsense. They know why that 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 tape was lost, and that's why it re- it'll remain lost. I mean, I wasn't so what listening. They wrote, what they wrote on Deadspin was about the day after. Right. It was borderline bigoted. Right. Right. Definitely. Nothing. What happened was a guy did say that I'd fight for Israel. Some 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 fool, some jerk, who the hell knows who the guy was, called up and said that. So from that, he as Brian. William said he conflated it. So a week later, he all the Jews are like that. They wouldn't fight the United States. So I'm I'm a history freak. I, I, I you know, I I traveled uh, the world. Look, you know, I'm I'm at I'm at Normandy. I'm at Mount Saint Michel. I'm at I'm at uh, Saint Peter's Cemetery in uh, Brittany, and there's an awful lot of stars of David in those uh, cemeteries. And who knows how many Jews are buried under a cross that reads, known, unto, uh, known only unto, unto God. Very so, true. you know, this stuff, I wanted to kill him. You know, so, I'm not that, that weak, soft Jew that he, uh, he hopes, hope, was hoping for. So let me ask you this final question here. Admit it, you're going to miss Mike Francesa, be honest. I can't wait to start missing him. You're, you're going to miss him a lot. <laughs> well, you know, I used to try to coordinate our vacations together. Yeah. Oh, yeah? How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to miss him. I, you know what? See, I find that hard to believe. Just as you say, just as you said that I write about him too much, or, you're, or I write about him a lot. You didn't right, say that. Right. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Thank you. But people love it. <laughs> they love it. They say, "Come on." Some people say you're obsessed with him, but most most of them say, "I love it when you do that to that creep." But um, no, I'm not going to miss him. I, you know what? I, there's other things. I can, I can write about I can start making stuff up. Oh, that's not bad. So, <laughs> that's a good so if he leaves WFN, if that happens, and he goes to some other medium, like a, you know, he does his own podcast or whatever, are you still going to write about him? I mean, if, he, if he's in, you know, if he's in our wheelhouse, if, if he's right. you know, front and center in our market, or any market where, where we have access to it, yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't wake up every day and say, what is Francesa? What did he? Uh, you know, there's, there's a wonderful—I uh, uh, don't know what you call it—Twitter account called uh, RN's Funhouse. Oh yes, RN's yeah, Funhouse. That chronicles this stuff. He, this guy saved me hours of listening, <laughs> and it's great. He says Francesa said just today. I never said that, and then two days before, he said exactly that. I never said that they should fire uh, Lewis, Marvin Lewis, the coach of the Bengals. Three days before, they have to fire Marvin Lewis. I never said that. <laughs> so, so as long as he's as long as he's still relevant in the New York area, we're still going to hear Phil Muchnick's op- uh, opinion. I don't of- think he's relevant as it relates to information. <laughs> Jeez, I think he's relevant as it relates to that. a freak show. Okay, all right. He's a, What's the matter? Nothing, nothing. I'm just laughing. Who's tickling you? No one's tickling me. I'm laughing. Someone's tickling you. A freak show. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Well, he is. He's a sideshow. He's a sideshow. I mean, when he he goes silent so he can watch a horse race, 
that he owns a piece of a horse, and he goes, goes silent for two minutes, so we can... I mean, <laughs> when, he said, when he brings on the owner of the, of the Marlins, and instead of saying, my mother has a house in Tampa, he says, I bought, I, I built my mother a house in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, Mike with the hammer, nails, planks of wood, all that. He put it together. Yeah, no, you know, I'm a big shot. <laughs> oh, I was telling my driver, Julio, my driver, Julio, geez. All right, Phil. He is Phil Mushnick. He is the, uh, again, the, you're not on Twitter. Now you can right? hate me. Now there's reason to hate me, Brian. You're not on Twitter, just so everyone knows, correct? No, I'm not on Twitter. Are you thinking about it? I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Prozac, but not I'm Twitter. On Prozac. He is the uh, columnist, New York Post, Equal Time, Phil Mushnick. Phil, thanks for giving me a few minutes today. Later, Brian. Thanks. There he is, Mr. Phil Mushnick. As crazy as ever. I... Uh, I, I I don't know, man. I don't I don't. The one thing I didn't want is to talk about the New Jersey Nets, um, you know, Jay Z, Brooklyn Nets, Jay Z column. I, you know, that's the last thing I want to talk about it. And he brought it up. I don't want to, I don't want to go that route. I don't want to talk like that. Um, but of course, thank you for making me uncomfortable, Phil. Uh, but no, thank you for having. Thank you for coming on, Phil. Uh, I know not everyone is a fan of Mr. Mushnick, but he always makes it a little interesting. He really does. So remember. All the platforms, all the venues, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, plenty of other guests in the vault. Take a look. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at RyanBucker, team, and at Red Blues. Thank you very much. I'm out of here.